0: Welcome to Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and this show is to provide our listeners with up-to-date medical information from a leading neurotologist and nutrigenomic specialist. I invite you to sit back, grab your favorite beverage or cup of coffee, and let's have Coffee with Dr. Stewart. Welcome, everybody, to Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and I am so glad to be back, and I am here with Dr. Kendall Stewart. What's going
1: on? Hey, Kara. How are you?
0: I'm good. Do you know how long it's been since we've done a show? Uh, nope. No. <laughs> Time flies, right? Uh, okay. It's been almost a year. Okay. And we're on show 34, and we had so many people email us saying, I love all your old shows, but where's the new ones? Sure. Let's do it. So, well, first, they all want to know what you've been up to. So what have you been up to in the past year?
1: Actually, we've been up to a lot. We're... Um we're taking our genetics uh, panels and modifying them significantly. And we are learning lots of new therapeutics that we need to talk about this season. Okay. and uh, Excited. We're starting to make some pretty significant advances in recovery of diseases we've never thought we could do
0: anything about. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's a lot of shows coming then. Mm-hmm. Today's show is about chronic stress. Everybody's stressed out, right? Sure. Okay. So, stress... There's three different types of stress, right? There's stress that is routine stress. That's every day. We all have mm-hmm. it from day to day. Stress brought on by a sudden negative events, somebody passing, a divorce. Yeah. You know, there's terrible things that happen. And then traumatic stress is like a major accident, hurricanes, assaults, you know, deaths. That's Those are all like three things that can really stress a person out. Absolutely. You know, so we've talked about it on previous shows, but we get a lot of questions about what would Dr. Stewart recommend for stress? Okay. Okay, so we're going to get into that, but I do have one question for you. Mm-hmm. Have you changed any of your coffee choices? No. No. <laughs> You're still what's your choice?
1: Oh, I just I, I love all kinds of coffee, but right. my, my, I'm a, kind of a coffee snob. I like the reserve. Okay. The reserve
0: coffees. Yeah, I knew I knew you found something new <laughs> recently. Blend. I love Christmas. Blend. Christmas blend. Yeah, that's it. good. That's good. Okay. I just had to get that out of the way because sure. somebody asked me that the other day. I go, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Dr. Sear, what is your definition of chronic stress? What does that mean to you?
1: Well, you know, it's it's different for some. everybody. Everybody mm-hmm. um, has a different definition. Now, in my mind, um, even though you gave those three definitions, I really um, separate basically physical stress from emotional stress. Okay. And everybody likes to talk about it as um, one thing, but... Physical stress is really something that is, whether it's exercise, whether it's, um, you know, uh, uh, disease or something of that nature. The nice thing about physical stress is there's a beginning and there's an end. Okay, and what do you mean by that? And what I mean is it's a finite length of time that it typically lasts, whereas emotional stress is a completely different animal. Mm -hmm. The problem with emotional stress is you wake up first thing in the morning and you're thinking about it, you go to bed thinking about it. You wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it and right. you can't ever lay it down. So what I tell people is you'd rather go in and run five miles a day and that be your stressor because once you're done, you're done. Right. But when it comes to emotional stress, you can't lay it down. Wow. So So my patients in particular, patients who have children with autism, uh, people with chronic mm. diseases of those natures, p- p- loved ones who have chronic diseases, they have emotional stress that is just never ending. Right. And so what happens is the way God designed our systems is that we have to have mechanisms to handle each and every one of those. But what he really didn't design too well for a lot of us, or we've genetically messed it up, or the enemy has messed it up, however you want to think about right. it, um, uh, chronic stress cannot be dealt with on a never-ending basis. A never-ending basis. No. You <laughs> have to have some way to deal with it, and you have to help yourself through it.
0: Okay. Well, it's a lot easier said than done. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so, well, that kind of links the chronic stress to health problems. That's kind of what we're going to talk about. So when you think of chronic stress and do men get it more than women or women get it more than men? I actually think women get it more than men. Well, that's what what a lot of the literature, you know, so to speak, says, you know, that women carry their emotions. So the emotional stress might be a little bit higher for women. Sure.
1: Well, you know, the thing is, um, stress is handled by everybody differently. Mm Mm-hmm. And women love to internalize it. Yes. Uh, Most women are taught (laughs) not to be complainers. Right. You know, and, um, you know, the last thing you want to do is complain to your family. I always tell people... Who are having these types of things? Come and tell Doctor Stewart about it. You know, i don't right. understand. But don't, don't whine. Don't profess it to your family or your friends because you you look healthy on the outside, right? And especially Texas women are really good at that. <laughs> no matter how bad they feel, they always get up and put on their makeup. Yep, we sure know, do. Put do up. our hair. That's right. And so you know, Texas women are really bad about it. And I'd say Southern women in general. And it's not to criticize any of the other women,
0: other women yeah.
1: But in general, we just need to understand that that women tend to. Suffer a lot more and they carry the burdens of their family
0: a lot more. I think everybody realizes that a lot of people are now understanding that there is some major issues going on, even though you look good from the outside. You know, it used to be that if you were acting crazy and you look good on the outside, they just put you in the loony bin and they just, just, or put you on drugs, and that was the end of the day.
1: Well, instead of thinking about a distress, I hate that term.
0: Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: Um, What would you call it? Well, here's the deal. So everything that that I have to define in my world, I'm always, you come to me to figure out what to do about it. Right. You don't come for me to tell you, oh, you're stressed. Here's your, here's your... Like
0: some doctors do. Here's your pill. Right.
1: And a lot of times you completely get that wrong. Well, here's the deal. We've got to understand what's really going on in the body. Okay. And what happens in stress is God's given us lots of mechanisms to actually um, handle these types of things. One of them is actually the the more stress you get, whether it's physical or emotional, is you make endorphins. Mm Mm-hmm. And so the body naturally makes endorphins, and these endorphins are opiates. And what they tend to do is they tend to go to the nervous system and they tell it to calm down, which is great. And so that's why a lot of people are hooked on exercise. A lot of people are hooked on opiates, unfortunately, and other things. But what really happens is the opposite happens with the immune system. Okay. So I always tell people, you know chronic stress can kill you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. And they say, yeah. But I said, do you understand the mechanism of how that happens? Well, what happens is when you're stressed out, you make endorphins. That calms your nervous system. But guess what it tells the immune system to do? To rev up? It tells it to rev up. Okay. And the reason it is is because it's a crisis, so the immune system needs to be on high alert, and that happens through the opiate receptor. Okay. And so the long and the short of it is when we deal with that chronic opiate stimulation of the immune system, it turns up inflammation as a general rule across the body and the stress and the mental anguish and the anxiety and all the cognition and everything else, the inflammation gets worse in the nervous system.
0: Is that where the health problems start to happen? That's where the health
1: problems ah, start. Do you understand? So, yep. the natural state in the body of chronic stress is that you got immune hyperactivity,
0: Infl- inflammation,
1: inflammation, and what we now know is that inflammation in the brain is responsible for the the good days and bad days fluctuation of most um,
0: and you just said disorders. the brain, mm-hmm. okay?
1: Most anxiety disorders a lot of problems with, you know, all the things that people, the doctors love to say, oh, it's just stress. Well, you've got to be able to explain that and you've got to be able to do something about it. And it's not hand you I can tell you I'm stressed. Sure. (laughs) So what we really want to do is we want to recognize that and we want to be able to go in there and block that opiate response. Okay. Calm that immune system down because by calming the immune system down, we actually take a lot of the effects of the chronic stress off the body from a health perspective.
0: Okay. Well, then let me get into something because everybody's talking about hemp oil, CBD. Sure. Is that something that a lot of doctors are now recommending to okay, calm so, that immune system right, down?
1: So, you know, we'll back up and let's talk about it. Okay. So what's really happening is when you deal with cannabis, uh, hemp as a general rule, um, the CB1 receptors, these are found on the nervous system. Mm-hmm. These are, um, that's actually for THC. Okay. Tetrahydrocannabinol. That's, that, no, that's what the high component is. Makes people high. Now, what's happening that's different on the microglia, which are the immune cells of the brain, Mm -hmm. uh, that we have CB2 receptors. And that's where cannabidiol comes in. CBD. Yeah, CB2 receptors are on the immune cells of the brain, not on the brain itself. And so what they tend to do is calm the inflammation down.
0: So you're taking CBD or hemp oil that doesn't Mm -hmm. contain THC. Right. And you can calm that receptor down Correct. so that you can ease the anxiety. Right. And
1: the other way to actually calm it is with ethanolamide or PEA.
0: PEA, yeah. A lot of people mm. buy that from us, and I don't really quite understand what it does. So well, could you give it?
1: it does the same kind of thing in a back, a different mechanism, mm-hmm. and it actually does through what we call a G-coupling reaction. But basically it's a G-protein coupling reaction that actually backdoors the CB2 system and essentially just provides some natural calming. Now, PEA is more of an endocannabinoid, which means it's one that our body makes. Okay. Well, Most people don't understand that we make cannabinoids in our body.
0: Are we not getting enough? Is that why PEA is so popular oh, to take as a dietary supplement? I just think we wear the system out. We wear the system out.
1: And then the last thing we used to really calm it, which has really been shockingly effective, is what I call ultra low dose naltrexone. Mm -hmm. That's a prescription. And a lot of people have read about low dose naltrexone. Now, what I've found in a lot of my patients, because unfortunately, you know, I see complicated patients and I see lots of chemically sensitive patients. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be a little bit more cautious. So instead of just taking four and a half milligrams of naltrexone, which is what is written in the literature, we have to, a lot of times, ease into it, and we have patients on as little as a half milligram, and people on as much as six. So but that's a prescription you got to get from the doctor. That's a prescription, but it actually blends really nicely with, with your CBD and your PEA. your PEA.
0: Well, I've been taking the PEA now for since it came out a few months ago, and you know I, I suffer from my neck pain and. Sure. And a lot of people I've talked to that the pain has reduced, and it for me it has. It feels like it's calmed down the pain that was shooting at my neck.
1: Yeah. So the PEA has a dual role because it's a G protein coupled um, effect. It does have a pain effect and also an anti-inflammatory.
0: Effect. You're using big effect. words there. So what what's well, in an
1: easy term? I'm saying term? that for people who understand what I'm talking about. Right. Um, you know, if, if, it, if
0: I'm your patient and you're going to recommend PEA. What would you tell me?
1: Well, here's the deal. So a lot of people still are not quite comfortable giving hemp oil. Right. So the, the, the story actually goes that we didn't know what Trump was going to do with, with hemp oil. Right. There was some talk that he didn't like hemp and was going to change things. But that, it's everywhere. That hasn't happened, um, I think, for the better. Remember, all medications back in the 70s and 60s came from plants. Right. So hemp is no different. But what happens is he, he – so what happened is we started – putting out the word we were kind of like what are we going to do if hemp oil is not available well uh, uh in switzerland they were using and uh, had done a lot of studies on PEA which is palmatil ethanolamide and so we've then started using it and you'll see it very uh becoming more common in in the country and actually blends really well with hemp and other things and so the long and the short of it when we deal with these types of things uh the the toxicity of these these agents is really just non-existent you That's really awesome. can't overdose in, in hemp oil um, you really can't overdose in pea mm-hmm. so you're really looking at very well tolerated substances now an interesting fact, I have a lot of patients who are ultra chemically sensitive. Right. They have allergies to everything. And can't they, take
0: medications. And they can't
1: take hemp oil either. Oh, okay. A lot of them. So, But PEA has been one of those that even the most chemically sensitive patients, because it's an endocannabinoid right. our body makes it, they seem to tolerate it.
0: Oh, we, we had an email from a lady the other day that says on the bottom of her
1: invoice, PEA has changed my life.
0: <laughs> and I was like, that's got to be one of your patients. But that's awesome to hear.
1: Well, and that's what it's about. We've got to we've got to help everybody.
0: It has lo- lots of research on it, lots of case mm-hmm. studies and everything. Yep. Well, let's get back to the the stress part cuz well, you know, we always talk about methylation on the show. Sure. So, you know, a lot of poor methylators, you can go back and listen to we have several episodes on methylation, but methylation builds into a lot of the stress component, right?
1: Well, yeah, it's a it's a backdoor effect. A backdoor. Effect. Yeah, and, and what I mean by that, if you, you know, I'm always going to back up and I'm going to talk to you about physiology because, you know, as a general rule, doctors love to throw around um, words like stress and expect that you understand exactly no. what No, well, on you don't know body. what it is. Yeah, you just know that you don't feel, nebulous. you're just stressed. Well, what also happens is the brain always goes through a compensatory period. So if it's got a lot of stress, um, in essence, when you're stressed and your body's under stress, you are at a lot. You're in a lot more fragile situation from your environment. And I always tell people, remember, we're actually made to be in the woods. Right. I love your woods story. Yeah, so if we were camping (laughs) you said, if if a bear came into camp, you know, the bear is probably gonna get the weakest person. Right. Now, the thing is what happens during stress from a neurotransmitter perspective is that we tend to take glutamate, which is a stimulant, Mm -hmm. for the brain, and we tend to flood the brain with glutamate. Now Is that a good thing? No. Uh, not in a general role, not for long periods of time. Okay, And we'll talk about that, I know, on another show. Right. But glutamate then asks the cells to start chewing up more energy. It puts them on high energy status. Okay. And so if methylation, you want to think about methylation from a standard brain function is the amount of gasoline that you have mm-hmm. in your car. So unfortunately, if you're not methylating and you make 33% of you know your methylation,
0: right? Because you have a mutation.
1: Correct. So you got thirty-three percent. You're waking up with a third a tank of gas. Now you got a nervous system just just like driving a car faster. You're going to burn more, right? And all of a sudden, you become brain dead afternoon. Right. You have no energy left. No energy, and your brain doesn't work right. Well,
0: that, that happens in a lot of stressful
1: situations. You go through this emotionally stressful situation, and then you're exhausted. Well, and here's the thing think about it from a financial standpoint. You've got to have some savings in the bank because there's things that come along in your life that sometimes need money right. that you didn't expect. Right. And you're going to run out of money if you're not careful. So we've always got to have extra. Now, the Same problem with is, methylation. Here's the problem. If you haven't been methylating, And we have a lot of inflammation. If we don't calm that inflammation down first Mm -hmm. before we start to methylate, we're actually going to make you feel worse. I gotcha. Because we're going to feed the immune system, that nutritional element, and it's already going off. So you got to make sure that the way you do this, the elegance and understanding nutrition and how it works is to actually get the timing right. It's just like cooking. Okay. Okay.
0: I want to get into the next topic. I think we're going to break right here. But I want to discuss this misconceived term overmethylation and get this on record and let the expert explain why that does not exist. So ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back with Coffee with Dr. Stewart.
2: Even before your brother-in-law, aka Mr. Butterfingers, dropped your favorite stemware at your dinner party, you were nervous. You want a flawless evening, from the perfect pesto to the puff pastries. And so far, you're succeeding. Still, as the smiling faces envelop your heart, you wonder, do your guests know that you used to suffer from fatigue and anxiety? That with a simple genetic test from your doctor, you can now manage these issues and know exactly what nutrients you need to be healthy? You understand because your best friend shared the knowledge of genomics nutrition, the gene test that shows how you're built genetically. Now, you no longer waste your time and money on guessing which nutrients you need and don't need to feel better. Right now, though, you need to find your broom. Visit MyDNA123.com to find a healthcare provider near you for genomics nutrition testing. That's MyDNA123.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: Everybody, we're back with Coffee with Dr. Stewart. We are in the middle of talking about chronic stress, a little methylation, what we can do to help those who are suffering from chronic stress issues that affect the nervous system, immune system. Hey, Dr. Stewart, we're back. Hey, <laughs> big break there, right? Yeah, big, break. big break. Okay, so Dr. Stewart, we had cut um, to commercial mm-hmm. and we were talking about methylation, and I want to clear up something because I get emails all the time through neurobiologics and you know through other doctors and everything. What about overmethylation? What is overmethylation? My patients are overmethylating, but you say it's just not biochemically possible.
1: So can you explain that to us so we can sure. clear the air here on that? Well, you know, I get this I get this question every time I lecture. Right. I want to cover a few things now. Um, People throw out over-methylation as kind of a generalized term, and they really love to link it to methylfolate, which which really is just not proper.
0: But that's what you take to methylate. Well,
1: but that's not necessarily true. Okay. We do have these these chemicals called methyl donors. Mm -hmm. Taurine, choline, methionine, trimethylglycine, dimethylglycine. Those are like what's in the full focus. Those are like what's in Red Bull. Right. Okay. Now, if you drink too much Red Bull and have too much taurine, like if you drink a whole gallon of Red Bull. <laughs> like I used to. <laughs> you may actually overmethylate because you're using a methyl donor. Right. But that is not what's happening with methylfolate. Okay. Do you understand? The methylation support. And so with methylfolate, what's going on is it's a very simple biochemical react, uh, understanding.
0: Okay.
1: And all biochemists know it. Every enzyme has what we call a rate-limiting step. Mm -hmm. which means it can only work at a certain pace no matter what you do to it.
0: No matter how much you give it.
1: So if you give it extra, what everybody doesn't understand, they'll say, well, you'll put in too much and you'll create too much on the backside. Well, that is impossible to do because the enzyme can only make as much as it's capable of making.
0: Is it like the sense where it it can only take what it needs and then disperse the rest? Well, if you've got a
1: small pipe— And you've got a huge lake behind it or a small lake behind it. That pipe will still only carry ah, the, amount, that's a good the amount of water methylfolate. or methylfolate no matter how much you have behind it, whether it's a huge lake or a small lake.
0: So that's that's not over-methylation because you can't because get I more got, through. i got
1: a huge lake that it's going to go through a lot more. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So by, the problem is a lot of people love to think these are the symptoms of undermethylation. What what do you mean undermethyl? So, well, so brain fog, low dopamine, low serotonin, right. not happy. Those are undermethylation. So if I put methylfolate in and I get the opposite, I get anxiety and stress and all that, then I must have overmethylated. That's, ah, and
0: that's not
1: it. Well, what's really happened and what we've been able to actually um, clinically ascertain is that when you don't calm the inflammation down, inflammation plays a big role in all the symptoms mm-hmm. of overmethylation.
0: Well, he can't see the quotes. He's being sarcastic there with the term overmethylation. Okay, and
1: what that means is that you've actually put methylfolate into an immune cell that was still going off, and you just gave it extra gas, and it created more inflammation.
0: So it just turned up the immune system. That's why you get anxiety
1: and all those. So it's a way for people to describe symptoms, but it's not a way for us to describe it biochemically.
0: So in medical terms, that's just not correct. It's not correct. Now, what would methylation be defined as methyl donor over overstimulation
1: that that is in theory correct Meaning okay you can take too much of methyl donors okay okay but it's not what people are talking about with over methylation well I think there's just a lot of confusion in the medical community well sure there is and they love to think about it but they've never thought about it like that so I just tell people why don't you sit down and we'll talk about it Right, and you got to understand, but it's you, you know biochemists are bad because they've created it, but they've forgotten some primary rules of biochemistry. Right, which is the rate limiting step of enzyme. No the matter the rate
0: limiting step,
1: no matter how much cofactor I give to that enzyme, the enzyme is not capable of running faster than its highest rate.
0: So it's like a sponge; like you, it can only take so much water. Correct. You can't just put it in, and it'll take twice as That's much. That's correct. So it's not going to cause that
1: that overstimulant. Correct. Now, if you have Let's say I never drink coffee Mm -hmm. and I go to Starbucks and I slam me a regular cup. It's going to jack me up. Right. But that doesn't mean that I overdid it.
0: Well, you know, we have a lot of people that start methylation products with us because that's what we're known for, you know, a lot of our product line. And they come back and they do a little bit of the cream, the the Mm -hmm. methylation pro or the methylation complete, and they have that reaction. They're like, oh my God, it revved me up. We always tell them to back down that they're going too fast. That
1: really meant they needed it.
0: Well, it does mean that they need it, but it could also be an inflammatory
1: issue that you need Correct. to look at. Didn't con- control the inflammation. So here's the deal with the inflammation. Okay. Um, the psychiatry role got turned upside down about late 2015 when all these new PET scans were showing inflammation present in the brain and anxiety, ADD, mm-hmm. um, sleep disorder, all these very common things. We had inflammation. And so now, if you read the psychiatric literature, they love to talk about neurotransmitters, but they also talk about this neuroinflammation. Uh huh. And so, what's happened is, um, good days and bad days. Uh, neurotransmitters can't change quickly. In fact, a neurotransmitter, if you're going to deplete it, it's going to take several days, if not a couple of weeks. So okay. You can't be. You can't become depressed overnight.
0: Right. Do you understand? It takes a few days.
1: Correct. And but inflammation can change within the hour. So you literally well, can go yeah. from no no inflammation to highly or no anxiety to highly if you eat anxious. something
0: that causes inflammatory. and so inflammatory. what that does
1: is the inflammation is what causes that now overmethylation reactions are rapid okay they are not over weeks and this is understand? this is
0: overmethylation to, uh, just what, because of what they're calling overmethylation what they're calling but it's not See, i guess what 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 instead of using overmethylation what would what term would you come up
1: with well i would take, say it's inflammatory aggression you just you
0: inflammatory just, aggression Sure. i wish people would start saying that cuz it's confusing well, a lot of patients I don't know. <laughs> and they don't all get to go see you you got a two year wait list so
1: oh, but i'll be glad to sit down and discuss this with any biochemist
0: right you know? we're just trying to get it out there to for you know medical providers and patients to understand mm-hmm. Well, give me a perfect, you know. Like I said, we have people that call and go, "Oh my gosh, I can't take it. My my child went wild when I put the cream on him." Sure. So what? It means what you got a different problem? Right. So what would you recommend to
1: those people? Well, they need to get their inflammation under control before they ever even start to methylate.
0: Okay. So you're you're thinking the PEA or some hemp oil yeah. and some any other? Nutrients? We
1: preach that. I mean, we preach that at our clinic. Nonstop. Right. In fact, we never methylate before two or three weeks. Okay, you start with the immune system. Of course, you don't have machines to measure inflammation in, the, in right. the nervous system or devices, and so we can always recognize who has inflammation and who doesn't. And we we always say, we if you put this methylation or this methylfolate in before you're ready, you're not going to like me. So, what do you
0: what do you recommend? That what do you always start them with? Then
1: we always start them with whatever is appropriate for inflammation. Control.
0: The PEA, the, the hemp There's, oil. What else is there? Well. Immune low
1: Restore? Low-dose low dose naltrexone. Okay, what if they can't get to Not a doctor? Good, well, so um, having a good uh, bi- microbiome.
0: Is that, so probiotics? Immune
1: Restore, probiotics, um, beta-glucans. Beta-glucans. And so, things that actually modulate and calm down the immune system, pregnenolone, okay. vitamin D.
0: Now tell me a little bit about pregnenolone because that's a, a hormone support product.
1: Yeah, pregnenolone is the precursor to all steroid hormones. So okay. cholesterol converts to pregnenolone. And so, pregnenolone makes everything from cortisol to progesterone to testosterone to estrogen to aldosterone to the steroids. So, the other thing with pregnenolone, pregnenolone by itself is not really truly active as a steroid. It has to be converted by something. Right. It's a cofactor. Well, it's not a cofactor. It's a precursor. Precursor. Yeah. Which means it has to be converted into something to be biochemically active. Okay. And so, a lot of times, by adding that, you can—if you are under chronic stress and your your adrenals under uh, chronic drain—by mm-hmm. putting some preg- pregnant alone, you are actually making sure that you're delivering enough substrate to continue the cortisol production and ah. your progesterone, and your testosterone. Yeah, okay, I
0: need to so, get back on that. <laughs> right,
1: makes sense. Well, tell me a little
0: bit. So, we went down the road of stress, and we talked about some things. But what about stress and hormones? Okay. How do those go together?
1: Well, here's the deal. So. Hormones, no. Hormones have to be divided into a, a big category. Okay. So in stress, you got to worry about your thyroid a lot mm-hmm. because the problem is, especially if you're having to take thyroid, remember, if I'm under a stressful situation, my brain will secrete TSH, not mm-hmm. pituitary. It'll tell my thyroid to rise because I'm under stress because I need to make more energy to handle the stress. Okay. But if you're on thyroid and you're taking the same dose every day and right. you have no way to raise it chronic stress will chew up the thyroid and where does your level go low it goes down now what everybody doesn't understand is that thyroid's main function is to actually tell the cell to make energy so as the thyroid starts dropping down the energy reduces and what are the big energy uh, utilizing organs of the body the brain the brain and the immune system
0: oh okay does your mitochondria
1: to suffer as well? Well, that's your mitochondria. That's where the energy comes from. Right. So the thyroid tells the mitochondria. Now, the thyroid does other things, so I don't want people to get It does a lot critical. of things. But what it really tells is the, those mitochondria to rev up and increase the metabolic rate of the cell.
0: So in women that have a lot of stress and they gain a lot of weight, is that because that thyroid is not producing? Well, that's a real complicated I <laughs> I love to, to, to now, get into complicated When it comes cases. to inflammation
1: and, and progesterone, from a steroid per, uh, for women and testosterone for men are the primary long-term steroids. Right. So people who do not handle um, stress as well are people who have lost their progesterone or their testosterone.
2: So okay. stress can
1: affect you quite a bit more after you've gone through menopause or andropause or even if you're on birth control pills. As a way. Right. Okay. And so God always has fail-safes in place. So for inflammation control mm-hmm. from a standpoint of the body, we have the the long-term steroid which is progesterone or testosterone we have the short-term steroid which is cortisol right okay we have vitamin d which most people don't understand is a secosteroid. steroid right so vitamin d being higher can help you some and then we have glutathione under that which is another inflammatory control agent as well as a chemical detox clear
0: okay so for a woman or a man under high stress these are these are things to chip away at that to Correct. take a look at and then
1: you got to check your thyroid and make sure it maintains it fairly well and in fact if you are on thyroid and you're having to supplement your thyroid many times during chronic stress we have to bump it up
0: oh very mm-hmm. interesting very interesting well let me let me ask you about why the gut seems to always have some problems around those sure. stressful times because everybody's always wondering about the digestive system and how Stomach pains happen a lot when you're stressed out, and mm-hmm. you start to have bowel issues. So, why? How does that get affected? So,
1: what organ is easiest to tell when there's inflammation? The skin is probably the easiest,
0: right? Because right, it gets inflamed or yeah, itchy. Or
1: what's the second?
0: The gut, because your gut. stomach hurts. Okay.
1: And the problem with the gut is if the gut is inflamed, it doesn't absorb things very well. Ah. Okay. Yeah. So you get into irritable bowel, and you can get into a lot of different scenarios. There's also the problem with having inflammation in the gut is the gut's as big as the tennis court if you stretch it out.
0: Right, you said that
1: before. Mm-hmm. And so creating inflammation from that stress, the gut is a very, very um, impressive source of inflammation. huh. Um, and so when the gut gets involved, it becomes m- many degrees more severe when okay. you're undergoing that stressful situation.
0: And what can help you out with that? Because, I mean, I notice, like, I get more heartburn when I'm stressed out. It's, I get... It's
1: and well, heartburn is really about the nervous system. Once the inflammation spreads to the nervous system, oh great, there's lots of things going <laughs> on exactly. And so, in general, what you want to do is there's no doubt that you will handle stress better if you have some form of inflammation control, such
0: as a probiotic or well, a beta
1: glucan. I'm not just talking about the gut; I'm talking about everything. Hemp oil, right. or PEA or other things that you will lessen the effects of the stress on the nervous system on the gut. On the inflammatory um, immune processes of the body.
0: So let's say nobody has stress right now, or mm-hmm. we were they're they're perfect and they're just all living life and like yeah, sure. this is awesome. But you know, you always talk about those traumatic events that can pop up. Sure. You know, like we talked about this. All of a sudden, you get a death or a divorce mm-hmm. or sure. something. Would this nutritionally prepare the pay, the person to be able to handle that so they don't get so?
1: Yeah, it's always best to be proactive. <clears throat> the problem is before um, genetics came along, we really had trouble being proactive because right. you were, well, in a way, you were just getting the be- the doctor's best guess, even though we would use blood markers. But genetics now allow us to uh, prepare the body and understand exactly what the individual person needs. Okay. And uh, basically, um, it's just always better to be proactive.
0: Well, you l- you just let me into my my last question for the mm-hmm. show. What genetics would you look at? If, you're, if you've if you got someone under some high stress, they've got their genetic report. Like, you look at everything. No, well, I mean, like what would a person, like inflammatory markers in particular, are there certain ones that you always pay attention to more than the others?
1: Well, you you know, you're simplifying it too much. Well, I know, but... So the answer is you got to look at the entire thing. The Stress affects the whole body. Right. Okay, so you got to look at methylation and okay. all the markers there. you got to look at um, uh, B12 methylation as well as folate. You've got to look at the mitochondrial stress. You've got to look at the detox and how the body's prepared. You've got to look at the inflammatory markers, external and internal. Okay. You've got to make sure that you understand um, exactly how the immune system is going to respond to this overall stress. I mean, the whole idea is you've got to be able to understand the whole body's physiology because it all works together. This is why
0: a lot of genetic tests are going through doctors now. Correct. Right, like the one you created, it goes through a doctor because it's just really, really complicated. Sure. There's a lot of things to look at. Yep. But with the inflammatory markers, I mean, the gluten sensitivity, could you look at that if you had, you know, your Live well o report or something sure. of that nature? Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of chip away at what you need to stay away from externally.
1: You know, this is, um, I sometimes think it's so simple because I do it all day.
0: Right. Day. <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> and I
1: always have visiting doctors that come and spend the day with me and they always remind me how complicated it is. right? So, you know, You you learn, and unfortunately, uh, a lot of people feel a little bit lost because they haven't found that doctor to help support them. I think
0: we're we're getting more doctors that are are able to
1: help. Yeah, but they're they're they're, they'll learn and do things like that. But just you know, it's always best. I mean, precision medicine is what it is. We want to be able to to precisely interpret what you need and what you don't need. And I always use a simple analogy. I mean. We have very smart patients. So if you're going to make a vegetable soup, you're smart enough to go look in your fridge, Mm -hmm. open it up and see what you have. And so you only go to the store and buy what you need. Right. Because if you skip the fridge, you're going to have to go to the store and buy everything. (laughs)
0: Everything. (laughs) Well, with that nice um, words of wisdom there at the end, everybody, we're going to wrap it up for the day, but we appreciate you joining us on this beautiful afternoon. I'm Kara Stewart Mullins, and thank you for joining Coffee with Dr. Stewart. If you have questions, email info at neurobiologics.com. Or you can call us at 866-500-5388. Thank you, Dr. Stewart. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. God bless.
2: The views expressed by show hosts or their guests are their own and shall not be construed in any way as advice in place of your own medical practitioners. We encourage you to seek professional advice or care for any problem which you may have.